Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Everybody, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did that just for Taylor. Uh, hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Oh, they're down. They're down two one in the series. That's that's the positive way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is. They played their best hockey in the first period of Game Three and lost five to one. So, uh, yay! Let's just get into it. Let me introduce you to the panel for the evening. We are, of course, without Steph Driver tonight. We would like to wish Steph a speedy recovery as she gets over. Um, I don't know the games. <laughs> no, it was not Sports the Flyers. Are trying to kill it her. Was not the Flyers that tried to kill her this time. No. Um, so let's just get right into it. First and foremost, the bespectacled spectacular. Carcillo's mustache herself. <laughs> the ankle. Throwback. Um, yeah, so one thing that I wanted to point out, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. In this giant pile of stinky poop that has been this series, there are some nuggets of goodness. And I think that it's important, no matter how this ends up, that we focus on those good little nuggets because there's some good stuff there. We're going to get into it, but I just want everybody to get it in their minds that there's good things to be found. Are you saying that this playoff series might be like the winds of shit coming in? Yes. And the shit winds are blowing, you, Randy. If you just ignore the shit winds when the shit storm is over, it'll actually be okay. Exactly. You just got to weather the shit storm. I'm assuming this is a trail park it, thing. It, it sure it, is, Charles. Yeah. It's the only thing that makes me happy right it's now. It's the only thing that <laughs> I have no idea when you guys are talking about, but you guys both love it. So <laughs> From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Last week's show, I made a plea, if you remember, and my plea was uh, for the fan base as a whole to please not change their entire opinions of the good players and the team based on a short series. So I will, I will renew that plea again today. Claude Drew is not a bad captain because he hasn't been amazing in three games. Jake Voracek should not definitely be traded because he hasn't been amazing in three games. Wayne Simmons is not utter garbage because he hasn't been great in three games. Well, we can acknowledge they are not playing well. And we can criticize them for not playing well in an important series without making it a referendum on their mental fortitude and their overall value as players. Don't forget the Penguins are a really, really, really good hockey team. There's a reason we talked for two months about avoiding the Penguins. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they do this to top players 
all the time because their top players play against the other team's top players, and their top players tend to be better than the other yeah, team's top players. They've won eight straight playoff series. Yeah. Probably yeah. nine. Uh, it happens. <laughs> like, they're doing this to everyone. But I will say, like, I can think two things. I can think, yes, Claude Giroux is very good. The strip the C talk is nonsense. However... He hasn't been good and needs to be much better Which because he's this team's best player and he's getting abused by Sidney Crosby. No, wait, I, I need you to well actually him, but I mean, if you want to save it for the later part of the show, we can. Save it. We can. But yeah, Charlie's going to well actually the fuck out of to, that. I still got to do my hot take, yeah. but I want to get, I want to start with the best players haven't been the best players thing. But um, I noticed something. Game three. Uh, Flyers, I thought the first period of game three was actually their best period of hockey. Game two, they win. They take advantage of their opportunities, get some good goaltending. That's all well and good. Uh, not quite to the extent, but it reminded me of that Neuvert game against the Caps. I think they won one nothing. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as um, that. That, no, that, was, that, that was, was all Neuvert. That was a slaughter that Neuvert just made of like you know 60 saves or whatever the hell yeah, it was. It was like 40-something, I think. It just reminded me of a game that you looked better because of goaltending. Sure. Game three, period one, I thought was their best period of the series. But Crosby makes one Crosby play because he's Sidney Crosby. And all of a sudden, Wells Fargo Center is dead silent. Flyers fans, I thought we were the most intimidating in hockey. We're supposed to be the best fans. This is the real hockey town. We hear all this shit. We are the most fragile fan base as soon as one thing doesn't go the Flyers' way, that building dies dead create the energy you want to see be loud make philadelphia a home ice advantage again put your phone down for five seconds atmospheres in so many other buildings are really really good and most of those teams with great atmospheres don't have a long history of success look at nashville so the whole ah well the flyers just haven't been good recently so the fans are reacting to that that doesn't that doesn't play into it like the jets have never won a playoff game and that well, stadium now. Is great. now they have yes, and but that stadium is great when those people show up. I want to hear this building be loud, y'all. I always hear the old timers go, "Oh, it's nothing like the Spectrum," and I'm like, "All right, old head, yeah, I know," but I can't disagree with them when I see a building go dead, and then all these people, oh, they have no heart, they have no energy. And neither do you. What did you pay all that money for a playoff ticket for to sit on your goddamn hands? Well, one, Pisses yeah. me off to no end. One point, well, two points I want to make here. First point is, I don't, I don't like the yeah, the spectrum was so much louder because you know what? It's not the building. Yes, the spectrum was louder because the way it's built, it trapped noise better. But you go back to the early 2000s, and the center was rocking, too. Oh, yeah. When, when Keith Primo yep. scored that goal to tie the game in Game 6 of the Tampa Bay Lightning Easter Conference Final, that place was insane. The roof could have come up. Yeah, it was nuts. So it's not it's not the building. Don't blame the building. However, what I will say, and this is honestly what I think is, is what causes that phenomenon that you're just talking about, the Flyers fan base, quite frankly, just does not trust this team. And the minute something goes wrong, it just flips a switch in our heads. It's like, oh, here we go again. They're, they're going to do it again. It's over. Like, there's no trust that when something goes wrong, they will fix it. And then it dies. And and maybe it maybe it builds on itself. Maybe then the players start believing that they can't fix it because the fans clearly don't believe they can fix it. I don't know. Maybe that's all bullshit. But I do believe it comes down to the fans... Right now, with this particular incarnation of Flyers, they don't trust this particular incarnation with the Flyers. I mean, fair, but if you spend $150 on a playoff ticket, 
just make noise the entire time, regardless of what's going on on the ice. Make more noise when they score a goal. But start some chance. Get something going. Like It, it truly is, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now, every game that I've been to over the last couple of years, regardless of outcome, it's been an absolute tomb, and it's not the way it used to be here. And no, it, that it, place is a library. It's yeah. ridiculous. I just, you can, it like, bothers I, me to no end. You can literally hear people having, like, spoken conversations during play on a broadcast. Like, it's absurd how quiet it is in there. Uh, and it, it, it really, uh, everything about Game 3 bummed me out. But after I heard, like, I'm watching that first period thinking they're fine. Like, this team is fine, even though Crosby got the lone goal. We'll go through some of the scoring chances and stuff in a minute. I'm sure we'll get into that. But, like, just be loud. I don't, I don't know. I, I, and the players, yes, that's not the biggest problem. I have a lot of problems with what's <laughs> going on right now. That's not the biggest problem. But this is the one thing the fans can control. We can't control who gets the ice time. We can't control when saves are made. You can control the energy in the building. Yep. So do that. All right. I said I wanted to start with uh, I want to start with one of the things we talked about uh, in our you know previewing this series. We said for the Flyers to have a chance because Penguins are frigging good. For the Flyers to have a chance, they basically two things had to happen. Uh, they had to stay out of the penalty box. Which, well, about that. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the Flyers' best <laughs> players had to be the team's best players. That doesn't appear to be happening either. Uh, Drew hasn't scored, Voracek hasn't scored, Simmons hasn't scored. Three of the six goals have come from rookies. One of the goals was an empty netter. I mean, they have one goal in games one and three combined. That's not enough. What are we seeing out there, Charlie? Why Why isn't Drew taking over the way he did throughout the season? Why isn't Jake Voracek having the impact we wanted? What is wrong? So I don't, what I don't like is when you hear people say, like, I don't like the idea that the Flyers' best players haven't been their best players. And then you look and you say, well, like Nolan Patrick has a goal, and ah, Travis Sanheim has a goal. Like, yes. But they're getting easier matchups because the best players in the Flyers are facing the best players in the Penguins. Like, this is not a case of the best players in the Flyers are, like, actually playing, like, utter garbage and the players down the bottom of the lineup are outplaying them. It's that the players down the lineup are playing better in their matchups than the top players and the Flyers are playing in theirs. And that just boils down to the fact that when it comes down to it, Crosby, Malk, and Latang are playing better than guys like Giroux, Voracek. I, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, Proveroff and, and, and Katuri, I will, I will say, both were incredible in Game 2. So I, you know, they, they've they've both at least had that one game where they dominated. You haven't seen that out of Drew or Voracek yet. Ghost has been overall okay. He hasn't been incredible, but he's been okay. But I think really what you wouldn't when you say the top players, you're probably talking about Drew and Voracek. Yeah, more than more than anybody, Drew and Voracek, Simmons on reputation. Um no, I'm not saying... Yeah, I don't, it's funny you say Simmons. I don't even think of Simmons now as one of the best players on the team. I, I think, and then that's bizarre, but I don't. I think of Simmons as a guy who scores goals, and he has no yeah. goals. Yeah. Um, Drew, no. I'm not saying Drew has been utter garbage. My The idea is Crosby has seven points, and Drew has one. Yes. but here's That's the, not enough. True. If it was six to four, okay, he's doing his job and canceling out the other guy well enough, at least, but... 
this is pretty one-sided. But Charlie, I think you mentioned in your article today, and also here on this outline, that Drew's underlying numbers are very good, and logically you would expect at some point the dam is going to break open for him. You would think. And he's actually, if, if you look at his underlying numbers, his, he's the best flyer so far in the series in Corsi and expected goals. So the Flyers aren't getting torched from a territorial standpoint when he's on the ice, which is a good sign. That, that is a good sign. Really, from a back-and-forth I guess standpoint, the the top line for the Flyers and the top line for the Penguins are basically battling to a you know to a draw. It's just that Crosby's line has finished their chances and Drew's line hasn't. Now that's seems part of, like they could use a more skilled, yeah. maybe speedy, hmm. explosive, twenty-ish um, goal scorer. Where could you find one of those? Twenty-four goal scorer established in this league. A guy you maybe spent a high draft pick on, like yeah. traded up to get because of his explosive offensive ability. Who might actually have chemistry with the two who best guys on that top chemistry line. You might want somebody who's you know been a top line player before. Though. Create you don't a goal just throw basically by himself by using that explosive speed and beat a good goalie and Matt I don't know just spitballing here maybe a, if you could find a guy like that to play with them it would even things out a little I yeah. swear to God if Travis Konechny is not on the top line tomorrow I'm going to burn the building uh, down that's the thing is I was like watching some of this I almost I don't sympathize with these people because if you think you know five playoff games is worse than just 82 games and it's over like I, what what are you a fan of like i like watching the flyers play hockey mm-hmm. but i almost sympathize with those people cuz i'm like we were just talking before the show say they lose the next two games and it's like 6 to 1 both games we're going to get oh well we finished third in the division all the goaltending issues all the rookies on this team Dave Axel actually did a good job lost to it's the like, defending cup champion yeah, season was a success it's going to be a whole thing this playoff format all that <clears throat> we're going to hear so much nonsense excuses like the coach doesn't do anything to help the team do, do we want to get into the coaching thing now or do we want to save we'll that save later? It. we'll save it we'll save okay. it uh, so, so stick, sticking with the I got a lot sticking with the I'm sure you do <laughs> <laughs> Sticking with the uh, the idea of best players. Yeah. So this, to me, was, was an interesting question that I was thinking about earlier today. If you really ask the question, who on the Flyers has played well in the series, and not just, like, had a good game, but has played well, like, who? I, I, I'm really curious. Like, I think Travis Sanheim has played well in his role. Yeah. yeah. But his role hasn't been very extensive. Entirely too limited, yeah. So I don't know. Like, is he just playing well because he's only going against third and fourth lines? Maybe. I, I think he's done what he's done. What he's Every time he's been on the ice, he's looked good. And I've been impressed by that. But I have to grade him on something of a curve because what he the, the matchup he's facing are easier. Taking him away, though removing him from the equation like is there anybody else on this team who i would say is having a good series i don't i don't know and patrick's the, doing all right though right? is he i mean he's had a couple good power play plays but at five on five has he done much he had that yeah, one really good chance true. he had that one good chance at the beginning of the game three and he didn't finish it like yeah it was awesome you know, it was great to see him blast by only model like he was standing still and you watch that player like damn this guy is going to be a good player but you have to finish the play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's really hard to say because they spent, you know, half the last game shorthanded. So it's like hard to judge. Yeah, that game just got away from them so it, hard. Real fast. We'll get into that a little when we talk about the coach as well. Um, but is there anybody else? Like, as I oh, said, as I said, Pro Rob and Terry were both thinking. great in game two. Yeah. But aside from that, they've been, eh. Okay. Yeah, everyone's been kind of. Pro Rob's been, pro, I, I, would, I would maybe say Pro Rob has had a good series. And that's what, when I say, like, the best players haven't been. You know, if this was 
I told I, we were talking about it before we went on the air. If Derek Broussard and Phil Kessel were just torching our third and fourth line, I'd be able to deal with that because I know what the holes on this on this team are. Like that's the problem. That was the problem all year. Um, if if the first two lines were playing to a draw and Broussard has seven points, and it's just like, all right, yeah, it's Val Philpola, it's Yuri Laterra. Like, okay, fine, it's Brandon Manning. Those are the problems, because those were the problems all year. But they haven't been. And yes, it's just finishing chances. It comes down to goaltending. Like, how is this happening again? I, I get that Elliot came back, but like, every year, every year, it's the goaltender. It is absolutely, I'm, no, no. No? No. First of all, putting aside that it's absurd to blame a goaltender for a loss in which they score a single goal. Which, on principle, is a thing that I—it's a hill I'll die on. It's very stupid to me to blame a goaltender for a game in which his offense scored one goal. But he has not been terrible. There were a couple of goals that he absolutely should have stopped. And we talked a bit before this series started about how if we were going to have a chance, Elliot needed to steal them a game. And he's not done that. Well, but he's not game two, he kind of did. I mean, yeah, they well, scored five goals, but he played really he well. He did play really and well. And he made some big saves when the game was still close, where that game could have turned. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he played terribly in game three. I just think that the game as a whole got away from them, and they were shorthanded for long stretches, and the Penguins have an incredibly dangerous power play, and that's where they scored their goals. Like, has he been as good as we could have hoped? No. Has he been the reason they're losing these games? Absolutely not. No, I'm, I don't. I'm not putting it on him. So uh, the face-off play, while yes, Crosby made an awesome play, the puck gets across ice. Like that's a puck you absolutely need to stop. Yeah. I don't care what happened mm-hmm. before it. Stop that puck. And when you're up against it this way, uh, we said after game two, you know, when you are playing a team that's better than you, you need the better goaltending, which they got in game two. They did it in Game 3, and that's what happened. They lose 5-1, to one, and Murray, we said, the Flyers dominated the first period of that game. Murray makes the saves. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, – you You might want to you know record this because I'm going to say I agree with Bill. Yeah! <laughs> in that I actually think that Elliott was a huge reason why they lost Game 3 because, oh. quite frankly, you got to make that save on Crosby. I'm sorry. Yeah, you coming off core muscle surgery. Get across the crease. Like, you make that sub. Your team is dominating the first period of that game. You need to stop that puck because you know this team in-game can be fragile. They were dominating. Yeah, they, they got some more chances in the final 10 minutes of the first period, but they were riding a high. And you just said the crowd lost interest when he scored that goal. Elliott needs to make that stop in the playoffs timely saves matter he got that timely save in game two stopping the Crosby breakaway when Pittsburgh could still have won that game oh yeah that was a huge save in game three he needs to make that Crosby stop Pittsburgh had like no chances to that point nothing you have to stop that puck he stops that puck and he stops the fourth goal you know different game they can still win that game yeah no we've seen it all like and this team when they do their big push at the end they have the top end talent to make that happen against anybody they did it against Pittsburgh in the regular season granted they went on to lose in overtime but they got that game back and it was kind of it it was a back and forth game you were able to come back and uh, six on five this team's as good as anybody like get it (laughs) it's true though like they're really good in that situation just get it keep it close get it together 
together. I, I just get so frustrated when it just comes down to one or two saves that could change the momentum. But that, that's the playoffs. Yeah. That's what it boils down, boils down to. That's the playoffs. And maybe we were being too optimistic going into the series when we looked at it and we were like, well, goaltending, you know, maybe it's kind of a push when you have one guy who was going into his third game back from core muscle surgery and the other guy who won the last two cups. Like, yeah, it probably wasn't a push. It was probably... Some of us ju- didn't say it was a push. A dramatic dramatic discrepancy. And you, were, and you were hoping that maybe Brian Elliott was just going to, you know, 100% be healthy and be awesome from the start, but it wasn't a likely scenario. No, if, this, if we had the Brian Elliott we got in December, the series could be 2-1 Flyers, which, crazy to think, considering they got blown out twice, but like you said... That game changed after that goal, after that Crosby goal, and in going into the second period, it just got away from them. Then they start taking all those penalties. I, I don't understand the stick penalties with this team. Oh my it is god! Simple, like for a team, I, I can't even. I can't even <laughs> you have to be disciplined. All right, you're gonna take some rough. It's the playoffs. If they're gonna call some things, not call some things, but keep your goddamn sticks on the ice. Keep your sticks on the ice. There's nothing good that can come from having your stick up here. They And they even got away with one. Uh, was it a Voracek one? He got called for a hook. Oh, he got called for was, a hook. And he, oh, yeah. yeah and it could stick. have been a high stick. It was and a high was, stick that drew blood. Yeah, it would have been a four minutes. It should minutes. have been four minutes. And they get away. Like, nothing good can happen from having your stick up here. Yeah, and I think that's something that... Who's listening and not watching on Facebook, I'm holding the <laughs> invisible stick above my head. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. That's something that needs to be noted because... All year we've heard, and I'm not throwing the guys who, who took the penalties under the bus. Like they're they're pretty much all good players that, that took the penalties. But and that's what's frustrating. But, but here's the thing: we've heard all year about the idea of rookie mistakes and about how well you can't trust the kids as much as the vets because the vets know what not what what to do and what not to do in these situations, and the kids don't yet. So we got to shelter them. And okay, like there's some truth to that, but. All those penalties that happened in the second period, with the exception of or second and third period, with the exception of one taken by Scott Lawton, they were all taken by vets. Yeah, it was. This was not Travis Konechny took a took a, a concurrent minor where him and another guy went off. That's fine. Do that in the playoffs. You're going to have scrums against uh, after the whistle where you know somebody gets a slashing penalty, somebody gets a cross checking penalty. Yeah. That's playoff hockey. It and happens. when it's the third scrum in five minutes, they're going to take. Somebody. Yeah, but. Jake Voracek should not be taking two stick penalties in a playoff game. It shouldn't happen. Jake Voracek shouldn't be taking two stick penalties in a run to the Eastern Conference final. Like, that is... uh, I just get so frustrated with that shit. I just get so frustrated by high sticks. Uh, Like, there's nothing good that can happen from having your stick up here. There's no reason for it it's the first thing a coach tells you day one keep your stick on the ice and like if it's nolan patrick who does it like okay yeah it's you know he's a rookie he's trying to make something happen he lets his emotions get the better of him for a spec for a second in the playoffs okay i can accept that but i mean it was what was it it was voracek took two i think both manning and gudis took one they yep. took a too many men on the ice penalty that was the one that really made me mad like, like what, what are you doing guys yeah and that, that's when we talk about the rookie mistakes and everything. Uh, five goals have been scored on an actual goalie by the Flyers in this series. Uh, three of them by Konechny, Patrick, and Sandheim. Like right, because McDonald had the empty yeah, netter. Yeah, Donald the empty netter. Right. So that doesn't count because it's Andrew McDonald. Uh, <laughs> but okay. So we talked. Uh, has no one's been good. We can't say anyone's really been good. Drew's got the underlying numbers. Yeah, I, I would say Sanheim is the only player who I would go to bat for as him being good with caveats. Okay, yeah, because he's being sheltered. They're yeah. not using him. He's He does, when he's out there, appear to be making things happen, yeah. but he's not playing enough. 
Um, who's like who are we blaming? If we're gonna blame somebody, if we're gonna blame somebody other than the Penguins are just better. Oh, I know. Who are we blame? <laughs> I have an answer. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's Dave. <laughs> oh, Kelly. <laughs> it's always Dave. I I wish I could like I want to put it on the players on the ice because like I said yeah Giroux needs more than one point. However, I will go on a little tangent here because are, are we are we getting into the coaching thing? No, we can get because uh, I was saying like I think we we should save the coaching thing for the end okay. because we're probably gonna have like twenty minutes of right. discussing this. I, <laughs> you I sure? Go on a little tangent. Well, Kelly, here. Might need an hour. When when people try to dismiss Giroux's numbers oh, as secondary boy. assists and things like that, I have a real problem with it. Um, you and me both, buddy. Because first of all, secondary assist, like oh, it's a secondary. Like they counted it. I don't it still know. created a goal. And that was a great goal. There are so many times. The guy who makes the play gets no point at all. And I want you to watch. I want you all to go to NHL.com and watch Couturier's goal from game two. Yeah, just don't go to the stats section because that's bad. (laughs) I have no problem with NHL.com stats (laughs) section. They're just a suggestion of stats that may or may not be correct. I've never had an issue with their stats. Anyway, continue. Anyway. Time on ice has been a mess for like the whole playoffs. Yeah, well, the time on ice is. All right, anyway. I want you to go there and look at what happened on Couturier's goal. Giroux takes possession of the puck in the defensive zone, skates it out, skates it through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone. He then hands off to Raffle and then drives the net down the center, takes the inside track on the defender, so the defender looks at Giroux giving Raffle all the time in the world to go across the ice to Ivan Provorov. Ivan Provorov is now on the ice with no defender near him, gets it down low to Couturier. Giroux's still crashing the net. No one's on Couturier because the play got set up on the other side, and Giroux's crashing the net. Latang goes to him. Couturier steps out front, plays the puck to the front. Because Giroux drove the net, he created the traffic that allowed the rebound to bounce off Latang into the net. Giroux is not credited with any point on this play, but he made all of it happen. And I always kind of think of secondary assists like the one Raffle picked up because he did nothing but accept the handoff and get it to Provorov. I always think of those types of secondary assists as the rewards you get for the plays that you don't get the point on, like Giroud didn't get a point on this play, and kind of, Giroud sets up a lot of guys. They oftentimes don't finish. I often think of secondary assists as the reward for all those other times when you deserved a point and didn't get one. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I just really, like, the Giroud haters have come out of hiding for these three games because he's got one point through three playoff games, so we need to strip the C. No. Nope. Um, but but see, what you just did, describing that play, required you to think, number one, and number two, pay attention to the game. This is not something that, A, a lot of casual fans do very well, and it's certainly not something that a lot of beat writers in this town do very well. It's super easy. One, especially with his fucking spreadsheets. Yeah. It me. Well, I was just going to say, there's a reason why you don't see any where the hell is Claude Giroux articles on The Athletic because Charlie's actually paying attention to the people playing hockey on the ice. He's not just looking at box stats at the end of the game and being like, oh, Giroux sucked, he had one point. Like, if you watch the game, if you see what he's doing, he's A, an excellent leader on the ice and probably off, but that's not something any of us can know, and two, 
like you just described, he's making plays happen. And just because they don't show up on the score sheet doesn't mean they're not important. Yeah, I think um, one one tweet I want to I want to read off because it was a really good one from Bill Meltzer earlier today. It was in the middle of a, uh, a, a discussion and it just happened to pop up in my timeline because I follow the guy he tweeted at. And it was good. And it was something that it kind of crystallized my view of, of Drew in the series. And Drew hasn't been great. I, I think he's been he's been average no, on the I whole can, he can be better but yes, but yes. Here, here here's the, the tweet from bill which i think was perfect is that if raffle didn't tip a point blank setup wide in the first period and or if mary didn't make an underrated tough save on the shot where drew used patrick and the defense as a screen then voila you have your captain steps up moment he hasn't had his a game so far but things can turn on a single play and they absolutely can like the Flyers are, are carrying play with him on the ice, which they haven't done with pretty much anyone else on the ice, except for, I think, with the exception of Provorov and Sanheim, are the only two other guys that are like dramatically above 50% in both Corsi and Expectacles. Everybody else is like basically underwater. Players aren't finished, and this goes back to, to Kelly's point about, you know, maybe, maybe we give Drew a little bit more help. And if there happened to be another really skilled player who's been playing on the third line for most of the series, who Drew did a really good job working with him for 50 games, that might help. And that, that to me, is what needs to be done to help Drew out, is let's not give him, and I like Michael Raffle, but like let's not give him a third-line grinder and tell him to make you know make lemonade out of lemon. Oh, let's, God. let's let him score. Can I complain about Dave for a sec? <laughs> Kelly's just been waiting. <laughs> Because when he started to scramble the Kelly's lines, Tyro Goldburn right now, just like I can't I got energy, get baby. <laughs> when he started to scramble up the lines, and he moved every possible winger that he could, except for Michael Roffel off of that top line. I, I don't understand yeah, even, what he sees there. We even got a look of at one point Patrick centering Drew. And uh, and Voracek, like we're getting every look except for the one, the that one that all worked year. all it worked. year, it, it all is, year. It is bizarre. It really is bizarre. And it, I'd like to think that when you when you're listening to this show on Tuesday, that I am reporting from practice that yeah. Travis connecting yeah. back on the top line. But Here's as hoping. Kelly said, like it seems like Haxel is doing everything he can do to not go that route and it's weird it's and really the, weird here's the thing if he doesn't like Konechny for some reason if it's he thinks that he's lazy and doesn't work hard enough in practice if he thinks he's a bad attitude whatever bullshit hockey culture nonsense that is causing this to happen like you're a professional coach you need to put that shit aside for the playoffs and try to win games like I don't really care if you don't like Travis Konechny and so in the regular season you knock him down a couple of lines to teach him a lesson we're trying to win games now Put your bullshit aside and put the kid back up on the top line and let them score some goals. Yeah, I don't think this is this is coaching bullshit. Like, if if it was coaching bullshit, like I'm not saying I would accept it, but like at least it would be a little bit more understandable. Don't you think it seems like he doesn't like him? No, no, I I think Raffle is on the top line because Dave Haxall thinks that gives the team the best chance of winning playoff games. Yeah, he thinks that. I don't know which one of those things is worse. To be honest with you, he thinks that heavier style. Yeah. And Michael Raffle, the one thing I'll always say about him, good forechecker. Yeah. That's the number one thing. He like, and he's good defensively. Yeah, good def- like, responsible guy. He thinks that heavier style is how you're going to beat the Penguins. When, nah, man, like this team needs a skate. Like that's what they need to do. This team needs to use its skill. You would that's think what after has to happen after two games in which they can't buy a friggin' goal, you would maybe think differently. But just to get back to Giroux real Sorry. fast, like I no, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> 
Got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> uh, just to get back to Giroud, like, I can, like, because expected goals and carrying play and all that is nice. And this was a developmental season, so it was a lot about, hey, you know, look what this is going to be. Look what can be. Look at the potential here. But now, this time of year, you do need to just be productive. Yeah, I agree You with do that. just need to have more than one point. So I can both need more out of Drew and think big picture he's not the problem with this team. Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. And, and when it comes down to it in the playoffs, like production goals, saves, yeah. like that matters more than, than more theoretical stuff like advanced metrics, hundred percent agree. It's just that those advanced metrics can give you a more clear picture of how oh. a guy is actually playing because goals and assists are, you know, a lot of those plays are, or they're, they're fluky. Like the, the goal you talked about, you, you talked about the, the Couturier goal, the Couturier goal, like that was Chris Letang's goal in soccer that would be an own goal and it doesn't mean it's not a goal it doesn't mean it's not a good play the flyers did but like there was luck involved with that oh yeah i have friends who don't watch hockey and are like how is that shit credited to sean like they'll be sitting there (laughs) like watching the playoffs and be like so sean couturier that shows up on his stat sheet now forever you know he scored that playoff goal against the penguins like 10 years from now, you won't remember. He bounced it. Like, it hit the goalie, and then it hit Chris Letang, and then it went in the net. She's like, oh, yeah, Sean Couturier, goal against the Penguins. Like, (laughs) hockey reference. That'll just be in his game log. And it's like, yeah, but that's kind of hockey, like, greasy goals. But that's the thing. That's a line working together. Claude Giroux taking the center lane created the space for Michael Roffel to go cross ice, and then him driving all the way to the net created the traffic for Couturier to make the decision. I'm just going to throw it out front and see what happens. So, like, I get it, and I want to credit Giroux with that one, but I need more out of them. I, whether it's Roffel, whether it's Voracek, whether it's Konechny, it better freaking be Konechny. I just need to see it. Like, put it together. Dave. Yeah. So changing gears for a second. This is this is kind of a, a question. I'm not really posing to, to you two because I think you're probably on my side here. But Never. it's more of a more of a I rhetorical can take the question. Side. <laughs> hey, you absolutely can. My question is this. Why are we as a fan base so surprised that Wayne Simmons isn't playing well in the series when he's just playing the same way he played the entire second half of the season? Like, did we expect that he was just going to flip the switch and become old Wayne Simmons? Like, he's clearly a shell of himself this season. Like, this should have been expected. I was hoping for a little bit, maybe not the production, especially, I mean, he's not on the power play, so you're only going to get so much of the production out of him. Um I was expecting a little bit more of the fiery Wayne Simmons, the inspiring Wayne Simmons, um, the guy I just watch and go, I love you. Uh, (laughs) um, Here's a question I do want to pose off of that, though. Now, a couple of years ago, some people had some thoughts about Claude Giroux. Um, Hey. He might be declining. He might. What kind of idiot would have said that? He might just be on the back end of things. This might be. Get ugly fast. I was that person. He had that one point against that in that Washington series, and I thought, eh, this isn't going to be good. This is going to get bad. And then the following season, he has the worst year of his career, and you go, oh, shit. Gets over the surgery. Everything's fine. MVP candidate. Yeah. Say the ser- this series ends, you know, this week. Um, Wayne Simmons goes in for some sort of surgery, comes out, Next year, we're looking at Wayne Simmons, and he's good again. 
I'm not I, I'm not burying Wayne Simmons as a player. Like I think it's legitimately possible, even probable, that his poor season is because he's playing through multiple ailments. And his poor season, in which we all think he's declining, he scored 24 goals. I I, I don't know if I have ever said that I. I'm sure Wayne Simmons is declining. My point with Wayne Simmons has always been that even if he's not declining, I don't want to give him six years at at age 31. I am pretty sure he's playing hurt, and I'm pretty sure we're going to find out about a lot of things that he was dealing with at the end of this playoff run. But my point that I I kind of was trying to pose was like, that wasn't going to change just because it got to game 83. I know. Um, I think back to like 2010 when Briere and Hartnell you know, kind of slogged through a lot of that season. And then, and that was a lot of personal stuff going on as well. It right. wasn't just maybe physical, but just other things weighing on them then the game. And then we get to the playoffs, and Briere Hartnell-Leno is, oh, wow, this is the reason we're on the run. Everyone yeah. else is doing what they're doing. And we add this, and it's a thing that blows up. I think it was kind of hopeful. Like, oh, if we get the Wayne Simmons we want, and the top two lines do their thing, Oh, we have Konechny with him. Okay, maybe he can pull them along a little. But at the end of the day, no. It was wishful thinking to think, yeah, Wayne Simmons hasn't looked himself basically since the first, not even month, first two weeks of the season. Yeah. Um, there's probably And he missed time this year. Yeah. The guy doesn't miss time. Sure. He probably should have missed time twice. There's clearly something to matter, and maybe he even is getting a little old. Maybe he is breaking down. That is a physically demanding spot. But, yeah, it was probably more wishful thinking than anything that we were going to get more out of Wayne Simmons. I mean, who loves Wayne Simmons more than hockey people? Dave Hackstall recognized, Yeah. oh, yeah, Nolan Patrick, the 19-year-old. Gives us a better, gives us a better power play look than Wayne Simmons, the guy who does everything I've ever asked him to do. Exactly, exactly. So I, I get the frustration, especially because I think in the hockey playoffs you have a lot of people who didn't watch the Flyers all year, oh, of course, but they remember they Wayne. Know Wayne they, Simmons. they know Wayne Simmons. You know he's a badass. He's awesome. He scores goals. That's great. And they're watching him. We're like, where the hell is Wayne Simmons? And the people like us who have watched him the whole year, the people listening to the show, you know, we're more like, yeah, we were kind of hoping he was going to step it up but we didn't expect it because he hasn't been playing well on a game-by-game basis for a while. Move, switching gears for a second, like the guy who I am... The guy who I'm legitimately the most, I wouldn't say frustrated because, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's three games. You can easily turn it around with a big game four, but I... I've been the most disappointed in Jake Voracek in this in this playoff Same. series. Yeah. He's been the guy. Giroux, I'm still seeing him do a lot of things right, like underlying things right in his game that's not getting rewarded. I'm not seeing Voracek do much of anything. The penalties the other day really, really frustrated me because he should know better. Yeah. No, and that's the, like, for a team, and I get it, like a lot of pen. if they're taking a bunch of penalties because Pittsburgh is just better, they force you into penalties. Like, that's what happens. Yeah. You ha- you have to defend, you commit penalties. But like, when I'm just seeing veterans commit stick penalties, like, you're Jake Voracek. No, you're not Malkin or Crosby, but you're a damn good player. You need to be able to play with these guys because a lot of your teammates can't. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, let's be honest here. This team, their third line features Derek Broussard and Phil Kessel. They're really good. We, again, probably shouldn't be surprised by what's going on, but... A lot of wishful thinking going into it. You know, we like to throw the the Crosby urinal cakes in there. <laughs> but, you know. I that's do all, love this city sometimes. Uh, that's, that's all good fun. Um, 
I have a question. A guy who I was really thinking is going to, I was like, he's going to step, we're going to see what we want to see out of Oscar Lindblom. Yeah, he's been. Where's a, he yeah. been? Yeah, I actually. And again, uh, I know it's not fair to ask where a 21-year-old who's in his first season in North America has been, but he's here, and he looked like he started to get going right at the perfect time. Yep. And he had that good chemistry with with uh, Nolan Patrick. He's out there with Jake Voracek. Where's he been? Yeah, it's a good question, and I actually I asked I asked Haxtell this today. Haxtell had brief availability at the uh, at the Voorhees Skate Zone uh, Monday afternoon. I asked him about Limbaugh because Limbaugh got pulled, pushed down to the fourth line. His minutes have been cut, so clearly Haxtell is showing like I'm noticing this too. This isn't a this isn't a an example. This isn't a Brandon Manning situation where everyone is seeing he's playing poorly and the coach just doesn't want to believe that it's the case and keeps throwing him out. They're like he's cut. Limbaugh's minutes. He sees Limbaugh isn't playing well. So his response was, Oscar came in... Okay, I'll, I'll start from the, from the middle here. Oscar came in in the regular season, late in the regular season. It took him a couple games to get his feet wet and adjust to the level of play, but then he did that. Right now, Oscar, being honest, I think he's going through some of that same process right now, only there's a little bit more on the line, and the time for opportunity is a little bit shorter. Oscar's working hard. He's still doing a lot of things, really everything right without the puck. He just hasn't been able to compete as much as he'd like to with the puck and offensively, and that's why we made the adjustment yesterday, and that's why we made the switch. Like, maybe, like maybe it literally is just he He's, he's struggling to adjust to the increased pace and intensity of the playoffs, maybe. And that's why, more than any other reason, making the playoffs this year was so important. Yeah, fair. Yeah. So guys fair. like him figured it out. When they lost that game 7-1 to one or whatever the hell, 7 nothing. Yeah, game yeah one? they didn't yeah, score 7-0. Uh, Jesus Christ, 7 nothing. <laughs> we <laughs> sat through that. Uh, yeah, that's why it was important. For me to see these, because Oscar Lindblom having these struggles this year, shit happens. I'll get over it. If he was having these struggles next year, the year after, when he's like hadn't ever played at this level before, and this team's supposed to make a run, because now you know Drew's thirty-two, Drew's thirty-three, like Carter Hart might be here. Like we're looking at a lot of different scenarios. If he's having these struggles, then that's an issue. Same with Sanheim. Okay, he's being sheltered now. They're just figuring it out. Let's do that now and not mm-hmm. later. Like we're gonna need Sanheim to be a top four defenseman legitimately when this stuff happens. Yeah. Like Konechny's gonna be on the top line. Maybe not this series, but he's goddamn top line player. He just is. He proved that this season. He is a top line player. We need to see that. Like, all these things had to happen. I'm glad I'm getting to see them happen. Proverov getting his minutes, but in the moment. Like, and I'm trying to separate the two yeah, things. Like, yeah. fan me. You want to see more. Go crush the Penguins. It's the goddamn Penguins. Yeah. yeah. And then analyst me when I'm sitting there at the draft party, hopefully this year, and we're talking about the season. Season's still a success. Like, they did finish that, like, as much as I don't want to hear it from Hextall when this thing ends badly, <laughs> like, when they get blown out in the next two... I was going to say, When yeah. they get blown out in the next two games and Hextall comes out and goes, oh, we finished third in the Metro behind, you know, regular season juggernaut Washington Capitals and, you know, back-to-back-to-back Stanley Cup champion uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and then it was us, and, you know, we had all these goalie issues, and we had all these rookies, and we still had this great season. I'm not going to want to hear it from him. You want to but hear I, from you, <laughs> but, I, but I am accepting of those things yeah, and realize yeah. it's all true. Yeah, it's it's like fair. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to balance these two emotions because I have them both equally shot by shot, basically <laughs> from shot to shot, both alcohol and in the game. I feel these things. It pulling. has been a I'm roller being pulled coaster apart emotions. at the seams, and I think it's time. 
All right, Bill. I think I, it's time I, to get to Dave. I think it's time. Dave! Yeah. Kelly, it's your time. Dave's This stuck. is your time. What Come are there you doing? It. I've been training for this my whole life, Charles. <laughs> so, like, what? What are you doing, Dave? I, I, I Let me start it off with this. Um... That 10-game losing streak, we talked about uh, how they came out of it and Abelwood to just put it behind them. This team, it seemed at times this season, their greatest asset was never getting too high or too low. Uh, 10-game losing streak, they get drunk, figure it all out, boom. After a 10-game losing streak, one of the best point percentages in hockey yep. for the rest of the way. Uh, however, it also is a detriment to them. When you come out and are just completely not ready for that next level what playoff hockey is because it is another level and the penguins just come out and put it on you because they are ready for it they're looking to make history here first team to win three straight since the islanders won four that's a this is a big deal for them they're ready to come out and kick some ass and you just weren't that can't be that can't be It can't, and also the thing that I continue to be frustrated with is his absolute inability to make any kind of adjustment in-game at all. And it's, although I guess he he did make some adjustments to the lines, but... But never the ones that I want him to be. <laughs> <laughs> and also... That's the thing. Is, is, what I see is adjustments. I'm like, he should have just fucking left it. Like, I can't remember now it. where I read it. If it was in your article or in some other junk that I read today. Um... Meaning that yours is not the junk. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. Some other junk. The other junk. Um, the timeout situation that he acknowledged. I, I, that, that, he, was, that was that was you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He should have taken the timeout. <sighs> I, I get that hindsight is twenty twenty, but like you make a lot of money, Dave. You got to know when to do these things. Like, and I don't want to go back to La Violette because I, I'm, I'm over that. But he knew how to do that surgically when needed to get that team going and that moment after that third goal was the time that he needed to do it and he didn't and I would have less of a problem with it if I hadn't heard that yeah I guess I probably could have but you know you want to save. I was it for saving later. it like that save it for later and like then I, candy yeah eat it now if Dave. I hadn't <laughs> If I hadn't heard that all year, I'm like, all right, he's learning. He acknowledged it. He's going to move on and figure it out. But since I've heard that, like, almost exactly from him multiple times for this entire season, no, he's not. He's the exact same thing is going to happen. It's going to be 3 nothing, and then at 5-1, he's going to decide, oh, I guess maybe now's the time to pull the goalie. Like, nah, man, who cares now? It's over. And not It's a- over. Yeah, and not only that, this team has come from behind in a lot of games that they didn't need to come from behind in. You know, they dug themselves holes and then dug their way out without the use of a late-game timeout. So you would think that you would know that if this team digs a hole, you can trust them to get out of it without having to have Knobloch draw up a play on the whiteboard for them. But at that moment, when you need to stop the bleeding, when everything is fucked, that's the time that you take the time out. Yeah, what do you like? It's three nothing. Oh yeah, the goal that may be offside. Or, yeah, we no, want to save it for that now. So I guess it's goalie interference right. is the, oh, what yeah. you need a timeout for. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. the goal that makes it four nothing is what we're going to need our timeout. Like no. Yeah. You need it now. Yeah. Or I guess I, I mean I guess when he talks about saving the timeout, he may also mean like 
let's say, okay, so they're down 3 nothing. Let's say they close the gap to 3-2, to two, and there's a minute left, and you want to call a timeout to get your best guys on the ice to try and tie it. Yeah, like that, the Yorld like, line. Yeah, well, the Yorld. <laughs> no, no, granted, Yorld only comes out when they're protecting a lead. Uh, that's yeah. true. Wait, when they're chasing a lead, he's Spell not So <laughs> Spell, yeah, You're not wrong there. Uh, I'm sure he's been out there at least a couple times this year <laughs> in a six-on-five situation, but I, I think it's totally fair, and I'm not somebody who really is crazy about the timeout thing because you know maybe he takes a timeout and maybe drew gets burned on that face off anyway like who knows you, you can't you can't go back and with a time machine and know what would have happened um, but i do so many other guys could have made a play on that and it killed me i t- before the show i was like if that one play didn't happen i would feel so much differently about this series <laughs> like if that just happened to philpola i'd be cool with it but it happened to drew and it killed me but so many other guys had an opportunity to not allow that to happen. Like, three other players had a chance to make a play on the puck and just didn't. Yeah. Like Nolan Patrick didn't. The defenseman didn't. And then Elliot just didn't make yeah, a play. Elliot whiffs on it. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a bad play, but your goalie has to make yeah. the stop. It's four people who screw up on the play. It, Go ahead. I do think, though, that with with regards to the, the whole hindsight is twenty twenty thing, like, you are, as you said, he's getting paid the big bucks, and it's your job to have your finger on the pulse of your team yeah. and, and to know like there is a difference between a team that is down but everybody's on their toes on on the bench and people are pissed off and they're ready to go out and just kill somebody on the next shift and you look at your team and you say I don't need to call a timeout these guys are focused they're going to bounce back and then there's a time where you look at your guys and they got that thousand yard stare and they don't know what they're doing and they're kind of like you know killing time waiting for the face off those are the moments where as a coach you got to look at your guys and know that they need they need a little they they need a a break maybe not a break but just a chance to reset yeah and it's 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 an intangible thing it's not something you can measure but as a coach you're kind of that that's kind of what you're supposed to do look at charlie talking about i was agreeing with you earlier talking about intangibles it's a new man the playoff brings it out of charlie charlie so yeah kelly i think you you make a good point in that that's sort of the coach's job is to know. And also, oh, sorry, I was just thinking while you were talking. So, like, it seems like he he sets a plan at the start of a game based on whatever video research he's done, whatever he's decided is going to be his tactic to win this particular hockey game. It seems like when it starts to not work, and I think back to uh, that regular season Penguins game when the matchups were horrible and everyone saw it instantly, and he kept them for the entire game. And it's like, I don't understand why he seems either unwilling to do this or unable to, unable, unable is not a word, um, <laughs> unable to, to kind of see like, okay, Dave, I set myself a plan. This plan isn't working. Let's switch some things up to see if we can make things better. It just seems like he sticks with things um, like two or three steps too long. Sometimes he eventually gets to a fix that makes sense, but it's like the halfway through the third period or the next time they play the team, he makes the change. It never seems to be at the right time when all of us are sitting at home on Twitter screaming about a change that should be made that maybe he'll eventually make, but it's always too late. Like if we can see it, why can't he see it? And if he does see it, why doesn't he do anything about it? 
That's a great question, Kelly. Thank you. <laughs> Are you guys looking at me? Because Good I, don't know, I don't know the answer. Charles, I you're supposed to answer all the, the questions. <laughs> what, what Could you ask Dave tomorrow? But I will say, I did, I, I actually asked you him something. You just play him this not, show? Yeah. Not, I, God, please no. Just uh, hand him like a USB drive with all of our shows on. No, I, I, I asked him sort of a question like that, not as pointed, obviously, yeah. uh, but more like, Look, you guys are clearly good this season. You've shown you're good this season at bouncing back from bad games and bad stretches. You survive the 10-game losing streak. You lose 7 nothing in game one. You come out in game two, you win the game. The resiliency is there. Why hasn't the resiliency been there in-game? Like, I, 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 I go back to, uh, I think it was Saturday. Uh, the Devils were playing Tampa. Tampa's clearly a better team than the Devils. I think they, they won the night, so they're probably up 3 nothing in the series. Tampa just blitzed them in the second period. They went off four to one. The game's basically over. There's no way that there's no way the Devils are winning that game. Coming back four to one in Tampa to win the game. Third period, the Devils poured it on. They were pushing. They were they were going right at Tampa. Vasilevsky had to make a bunch of great saves. The Devils didn't win. Okay, they lost the game. That was going to happen. But the fact that they came out in the third period and really gave this big push made you feel good about John Hines as a coach. Yeah. And it made you feel good about the players. You're like, okay, they realize this is the playoffs. And yeah, we're down three goals, but, but fuck it. It's the yeah. playoffs. You know, something, we, we play well. We start going in hard, forechecking the hell out of this team. Maybe something can go our way. In both game one and game three, like they went down by a lot of goals, and it was just like, eh, it. eh, yeah. eh, it's over. Like, why isn't there a push? And and like to shut everybody up about never giving credit, there is something to be said about the fact that in the course of the regular season, they were able to make adjustments game to game and get themselves out of funks. Yeah, absolutely, that's important. But you can't go game to game in the playoffs. We don't have the time. Yeah. You've got to mush it all into games. And so adjustments that you might have made from game to game, you need to make period to period or even shift to shift if things are going terribly wrong. And for some reason, he just seems incapable of doing it. And I do not understand why, because while all coaches are bad, as we've learned <laughs> yeah. quite a lot. Hashtag coaches are bad. It just seems like, and I don't know if it's because... Obviously, we're hyper-focused on this particular coach, but it just seems like more than others, he sets himself a plan and he refuses to deviate from it until it's too late. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's tough for me to talk about the adjustment thing because you know we say he doesn't adjust. I, I know that's like an amorphous like, thing. Well, yeah, like, what is like, adjustment? Like, I, don't I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe they do adjust systems. They tweak systems in between periods, yeah. and we just don't pick that up because it's hard for us to because right. we didn't grow up on skates like these guys did. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. The only thing we really can look at is lines right. because that's the obvious thing, and he doesn't do that a lot. No. So it's fair that people say, you know, the two things I guess you can do as a coach that are obvious in terms of adjustments is you change the goal or you change the lines in-game. And... Yeah, you know, those are things that there are legitimate criticisms there. I don't know. I don't know how good he is at adjustments. I don't know how bad he is at adjustments. But what I can do is I can look at the results and I can say that game one, they went down by a lot of goals and there was no push. Game three, they went down by a lot of goals and there was no push. And I want to see that push. I want to see a third period when the team's down two or three goals and they just go at the Penguins. Like, you don't have to win, but I just want you to, to I want you to look like you're alive. Try really hard. Yeah, I want yeah. you to look like you're alive and I want you to carry play. I don't want, like... The third periods of both Game 3 and Game 1, like, you could have just turned the television off. It wasn't even worth watching yeah. because the team was just skating around waiting for the next game. And it was, uh, they're down, it's already 5-1. to one. There's like five minutes left uh, in Game 3. Gudis takes a penalty, a tripping penalty. 
like, all right, I'm done. I just, wa- I just walked up and got out of the room. <laughs> Friends were like, isn't this like your job? I'm like, nope. Not not my job to get tortured by this fucking team. I know what's going to happen. They're not going to score. So, uh, like, this story. got the highlights on the line. Yeah, this this story's already written. I'm good with the last five minutes of this game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The the, the point I want to make about about the coaching, I put this in the outline, but, like, I think that if you give the Flyers. Mike Babcock, or even if you maybe even if you well maybe don't if you switch the the coaches I don't know what that would do but like <laughs> if you could have Mike Sullivan versus a clone of Mike Sullivan I still think the Flyers are down two one in the series but I don't think they get blown out in their losses like I think the yeah. losses are closer game one they weren't prepared to play game At three all. they were mm-hmm. undisciplined. Being prepared to play and being undisciplined are two things that hockey people generally say is on the coach or the leadership of the team. But the coach gets a lot of the criticism. So I'll I'll trust that the coach has some actual impact there. And those were two games where they just they just did things that you would think a coach could stop a team from doing. And I guess my question is, like, in this series, it probably doesn't matter. They're probably going to lose game one and game three anyway, regardless of the coach. But. If you're talking about, if you're thinking that like in both those games they would have lost three to one rather than seven to nothing and five to one, it may not matter this year. But what, it, I guess, will it matter more in two years when they're not clearly outmatched by a team like by a team they're playing when 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 three goals one way or the other literally yeah. will swing a series for you? Yeah. That's um, what concerns me. Yeah, I'm looking at it and because I said you know after game one my thought was. There's no aggregate here like soccer. You know, if, if we're yeah. tied after four games, if it's 2-2, like, they don't get extra points for winning exactly. a game 7 nothing. Exactly. So, no. However, specifically for this matchup, the Penguins try to bombard you. That's what they do is they try to put it on you early. And the Flyers, in throughout this history with Crosby, their thing has been, we know how the first 10 minutes of this game are going to go. We have to counterpunch. And this team hasn't been very good at counterpunching under Dave Haxtell. Uh, the other thing is coaches do get like, this is, this is the thing coaches get fired for. Like when you get embarrassed, when the team doesn't seem to have interest in not getting embarrassed, no, no, yeah, we lost seven, nothing, we lost seven, nothing, whatever, one, nothing, seven, nothing, same thing. That type of mentality is what coaches get fired for because you can't possibly win a Stanley Cup with that kind of mentality. You can't possibly say, oh, yeah, we just, you know, third period got away from us, Eh, ho-hum. Like, no, you have to score a freaking goal in game one. I don't care how you get it. I don't care if Radko (laughs) Gudis two-hands the goalie and Sean Couturier picks the puck up and throws it in. You got to get one behind him. Like, it's just so, I just... No, and and as I said, I don't think... I don't think coaching is the reason why they're losing this no. series. But it's not helping. But it's yes. it's not helping. And and, and and I think Haxtell would agree that, you know, like he's been getting he's gotten out coached. Like Sullivan has done a better job. And I believe Mike Sullivan one, I believe Mike Sullivan to be the best coach in the league. Yeah, he's no, really, sure. really good. However, you know, the coach can do some things to help. Like, uh, since Steph's not here, I can make this comparison. Like, I believe Bill Belichick to be the best coach in hockey. Or the best coach in football. Well, maybe the best yeah, coach best, in hockey. Maybe the best coach in hockey, too. <laughs> I believe Bill Belichick to be the best coach in football. But you know what? Dave Haxtell would never call the Philly special. No. In a million years, no, he would he never wouldn't. do such a thing. Never. And, like, when you look, oh, they won by a score. It was that score. Like, 
that's what it comes down to sometimes yeah. is the coach doing the one thing that put you over the top. And this coach never will. Never. And that's going to be the difference at some point. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe this is... You know, just like we talk about it being a teaching period for the rookies, maybe it's a teaching period for a learning experience for the coach. Maybe I don't know, mm. but look, if if I say that I'm not going to, you know, write off the players for having a bad series, it's only fair for me to say I'm not going to write off the coach for I having agree. a bad series too. But if I'm going to criticize the players for having a bad series, yeah. it's only fair to also criticize the coach for having a yeah. bad series. And I will always listen. I don't like Dave Haxt. I'm sure, you know, all the people watching on Facebook, all of you who are listening later on, I don't like Dave Haxtall as much as you don't like Dave Haxtall. But I will always put more on the players. They're the guys on the ice. They're the ones who need to get it done. Claude Giroux ain't... Uh, the reason Claude Giroux isn't scoring has nothing to do with Dave Haxtell. Yeah, Travis Konechny should be up there, absolutely. But Claude Giroux needs, needs to take a shot and needs to go into the back of the net. That's just all there is to it. You had 30-some goals, 34 goals for this team this year? Like, one of them needs to be in the playoffs now. That's just the way it has to be. But Dave Haxtell has to do something to help this team because I'm looking at this Penguins team and I saw what they were with Bilesma and I saw what they were with Johnston and Mike Sullivan made the difference. He made the difference that made this team what it is now. They were always good. They were always yeah. talented. They always had the best player in the world. They always had Malkin. You know, they always had Chris Letang. They always had a good goalie. Sure, he forgot, you know, Flurry forgot how to, you know, goalie one one playoff. And that was a, couple, a couple playoffs. Yeah. A couple playoffs. One against us. <laughs> but forgot right they always had a good goalie. Uh, now they have another good goalie. Like, Johnston made a little bit of difference. Let's just be disciplined. When When they're punching you in the face, ignore it. Because you're better than them. like, And they did that, and they won two cups. It's just the little stuff. When I see this Flyers team coming, uh, becoming undisciplined after having a season of the most disciplined freaking Flyers team ever, all of a sudden become undisciplined, I think this is coaching. This is coaching. Something is wrong that these players don't understand. You can't be taking penalties at this point in the season. Maybe. I I think that that's the, the bizarre thing about game things are so inexplicable because you're right. They have been so disciplined all year. And then out of nowhere, it was just like penalty after penalty after penalty. And I don't know if you if, if you're negatively predisposed to Haxel, obviously you're going to pin it on Haxel. If you're negatively predisposed to the players, you're going to pin it on the players. It's probably shared. Oh, what is this? Oh, did Steph just uh, add this Steph to the is, outline from yes, home? Yes, remotely adding things to the show, which I appreciate. He said, one positive from the shitty series. Uh, her dad, dad driver, is invested in what happens. He likes hockey now. So hey He's been watching hockey with Steph, yeah. and now he's into it. Good job, Flyers. You got a new fan. Steph's dad is super Australian. It's yeah. great. Yeah, Try it not is to pretty good. Yes. Yeah, he's like an Australian immigrant. Apparently, yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. He's evidently from Australia. Yeah, he's, he's one of Ben Simmons' people. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, that's awesome. Dad Driver invested in hockey. Look at that, growing the game. Hockey's Don't blow it, Flyers. Yeah. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Um, hopefully, there's still hockey when we join you next week. But if there's know. not, we'll still be here. If there's not, we we'll sure still will. be here to help. And probably you get, really pissed off. Yeah, we'll be here to help you get through it. Uh, my name is Bill Mads for Steph, uh, who is not with us. I just have my outro in my head, and then I'm like, oh wait, there's no stuff here. <laughs> Steph for Kelly for Charlie. Thank you, Taylor, for producing. Thank you, Wildfire Radio, for the studio time. Have a great week, everybody.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.